a gun with the four of the gators. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I was just checking to see if you were listening. From Destroyam, Louisiana. Hold on a second. Hey, guys. Hey. I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. Momentum, excitement, energy. You know, I mean, they say all this stuff, and you know what they mean, but, you, you know, it doesn't describe what you mean. I mean, it's just sort of out there. You got barbecue back there? I was just worried about, you know, listening to, you know, all, all your guys' rap poison. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. Here are your hosts, Sergio and Tyler. Welcome to Sideline Judgment. My name is Sergio, and this week, Tyler and I unfortunately have to have another what we are calling our unorthodox episodes because of some outstanding work obligations from both Tyler and myself. And I really just think Tyler's ducking me, to be honest. I mean, you're going to see it here when I talk about five wide last week, but the gap is closing, ladies and gentlemen. And I really just think Tyler's ducking me. So love you, Tyler. Can't wait for you to listen to this. Um, let's go ahead and start with uh, our rundown. If you're new to the podcast, we thank you so much for joining us. And the way that these unorthodox episodes go are you will hear me for the first you know, 20, 25 minutes, I will go through our entire rundown, give you my perspective, and then Tyler will then come on, he will record his own section separately, I will then put it in and edit it, and we will be able to hear Tyler's perspective on what we have in the rundown. So next week, we'll be back recording the two of us on the same audio feed, so you will be able to get a more traditional episode. Hopefully we can, um, barring any last minute work situations that we got going on. So um, we want to start this episode. It is the bye. Last week was the bye week for the Florida Gators, and so we wanted to kind of give some kind of bye week thoughts. I put together this thing. It's called the midseason check-in, and so we're going to get the biggest positive from the first half of the season, the biggest negative from the first half of the season, what we would grade the first half of the season, and then just our expectations for the back half. Um, I know that we've played more than half of our game so far, so it's not technically a half, but because of the bye week, you know, the structure, the way it goes. We always get a bye week in October anyway because it's always before the Georgia game. So going in with my biggest positive from the first half of the season, I think my biggest positive is the way that this team is playing at the end of games, right? Whether it's we're winning, whether it's a close game or whether we're down, there is no quit in this team. And I think that that is the biggest change that we've seen from previous Florida regimes. I don't think we've seen this since maybe the early Will Muschamp era. I think that's maybe the last time we saw this like play to the end of the whistle Obviously, with Mullen, you know, there was a lot of complaints about him kind of throwing away games after a certain point and and not really putting the importance on some stuff like the bowl games. And it's like, well, if you don't play for the championship, then it doesn't really matter. Well, no, it actually does matter. And it's nice to see that Napier is one that takes that to heart and has his players playing the entire time. So that's my biggest positive from the first half of the season. My biggest negative from the first half of the season is just honestly seeing how the defense has really regressed from the start. Now, this could be a situation where you have an entire offseason to prepare for Utah. You have a bunch of, you know, camp is going well. The hype around the season, the excitement sold out first game at night in the swamp primetime on ESPN. Just an incredible atmosphere. And I thought the defense played relatively well in that game with the exception of maybe covering Utah's tight ends. But since then, it's really just kind of gone a bit downhill. I don't necessarily think that it's that the defense was oh so good at the beginning against Utah and then dropped completely I think it's more the fact that it, they're coming back to reality right all those factors I mentioned earlier about that first game of the season I think that Utah that game specifically was a, a false advertising you know it was a false advertising this team as a whole and especially the defense is not very deep it's very young in the areas that need to improve I think that we have some good talent there um, coming up in the in the youth, especially in the upcoming recruiting classes. Um, but I think for now, we're just dealing with what we got. You know, when Ventro Miller's not out there, it's pretty rough, man. He's he's really holding everything together by a string. And so that's my biggest dis uh, negative or disappointment, whatever you want to call it, from the first half of the season. I think my grade for the first half of the season, honestly, I think I'd give it maybe like a C plus, B minus, maybe like a 79, 78. So C plus would be right, I guess. Um I think there's things that could improve, uh, but I think that if you're grading 
if you're giving it a true grade, it's a C plus. But if you're grading on a curve, it might be like more of a B plus because given the situation that we have, um, for me, the positives outweigh the negatives. And listen, we knew this was this is what was going to happen at the beginning of the season before the season started. If you listen to this podcast, right, you knew that seven and five, eight and four was realistic. And currently, we sit at four and three. Spoiler alert: We're going to be four and four after the Georgia game. And I truly think we can beat AM. I think that we have a chance against South Carolina. I think we can beat Vanderbilt. And boom, right there, you got seven wins and you're playing Florida State to be able to go eight and four in the season. And it's a big rivalry game. And who knows? Maybe we get some of that juju, that good juju that we got from the Utah game translates to Florida State. It is at Doak, it is in Tallahassee. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. So for first half of the season, I'll give it a C plus, a B plus if we're going to grade it on a curve. Um, and I'm excited to see what what goes on continually. My expectations for the back half of the season are just that. You know, I expect us to be in dogfights the entire way. I think the four games that we have after the Georgia game are all winnable games. I just don't necessarily think we will win all of those games. And I expect it to be a tough, hard-nosed four football games to end the season. And it'll really tell us what to expect going into next year, right? We do have a really good recruiting class going up for next season. We just flipped Florida State's best offensive line um, recruit. We are now the eighth, ranked number eight in national recruiting rankings, which is fantastic. I think Mullen's best class finished at eight, but I just don't think that Napier is done. Um, Napier, (laughs) I'm recording this on Wednesday the 26th, tomorrow, so the day you're listening to this, today, Thursday the 27th, Cormani McLean is going to announce his commitment. He's the number two player in the entire country. He is out of Lakeland. We Florida has traditionally had really good success recruiting out of Lakeland and at Lakeland High School. And it's between us and Alabama. It's expected that the Gators land him. Nothing is a sure thing in college football recruiting, as we all know. But I really have a good feeling about um, Cormani McLean. I hope that this doesn't come back to bite me in the butt. But I think that you know, with that recruiting success, that that'll definitely leap us to the top five. For reference, he's the best player in the country, not named Arch Manning. So for everyone to know that, that is why that, that is the level of player we're talking about here. Um, and I think he would slot into the secondary right away next season. And I think there's a lot of things that will improve. We got great, great, great help coming in the coming seasons. And this is what we wanted out of Billy, right? The reason that Mullen is gone is because he wasn't putting the emphasis on recruiting and it wasn't going to be sustainable going forward. This first half of the season, you're seeing what happens when the players that Mullen recruited go up against SEC competition, go up against better football teams. Um, we just don't have the talent right now. We're thin. We're young. I would expect to see a lot more transfers out. I would expect to see some transfers coming in in the coming season. And I'm excited for next year, for the back half of the season, to, to show us who is going to be here next year when um, the, the true identity of Billy Napier's football team lands in Gainesville. In my opinion, that's what I think. So. That's on the first half of the Gator season. Quick little silly season update. Will Healy, the former head coach at Charlotte, was fired on Sunday after a 1-7 start to the season. It's important to note Charlotte is going to be moving from Conference USA to the American next season. Uh, Next year is the year that the American schools all go to the Big 12. There'll be 16 teams in that conference next year because Oklahoma and Texas have an extra year in the Big 12. And to replace those teams, the American is calling in a bunch of the Conference USA schools, one of them being Charlotte, who will now be hiring a new head coach going into what is considered at the moment to be the best group of five conference. We'll see what the Sun Belt has to say about that in the coming years. But for right now, it's still the Americans uh, flag to 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 bear. So the Americans flag to fly, I should say. Um, they are the best G- group of five conference. So I'm, I'm curious to see who what candidates appear. Um, Healy joins Paul Chris, who was fired from Wisconsin, Carl Durrell, who was let go by Colorado, Jeff Collins, who was let go by Georgia Tech, Herm Edwards, who was let go by Arizona State, and of course, Scott Frost, who was fired by Nebraska in week two, I believe, so, or week three, whatever. No, they played week zero in in, in Ireland, so yeah, it'll be, it'll be week two. Um, so yeah, Will Healy, brand new guy, brand new job open in the silly season. This one is one of the more unique ones. Um, this is the first group of five conference job to open up. And I'm very curious to see what direction they go. I think there's a lot of potential at Charlotte. I think they can, you know, kind of lock down the city school in the Carolinas. And yeah, just very curious. Another silly season update. Let's go straight into five wide for last week. You know, the reason why Tyler's ducking me and saying he has to work, (laughs) please. Uh, Syracuse 21, (laughs) Clemson 27. We both took Clemson on on that game. So we both get the points there. This was a really good game. 
Um, as you, I said last week, I was in Costa Rica this weekend. I got back yesterday. Um, this was a really, really, really good football game. Our Airbnb had some American channels, um, but luckily I have a VPN on my iPad and I was able to stream some games onto the television. One of the games that I streamed was this Syracuse Clemson game. Um, very good game. Syracuse kind of got out with a lead at halftime. Notably, DJ Uyunglele was benched for Cade Klubik, who played a good football game and led Clemson back. Uh, <laughs> Jimbo Fisher, <laughs> Jimbo Fisher, sorry. Uh, we will get to Jimbo Fisher later on, ladies and gentlemen. Um, uh, Dabo Sweeney said, on the field afterwards it was like hey they asked him you know that abc reporter sideline question oh you know you had to replace your quarterback what happened and he said you know even steph curry goes um goes one for 27 or whatever and i just thought it was hilarious that he was comparing dj uyunglele to you know the greatest shooter in basketball history and one of maybe could be by the time all is said and done one of the 10 best players or 15 best players of all time yeah kind of a weird concept but alas Never change, Dabo. Never change. Clemson ends up getting that victory. They stay undefeated. They take control of the top of the ACC. So good for them. Interested to see what happens quarterback-wise next week. We'll see how it goes. Um, number nine, UCLA 30. Number 10, Oregon 45. I got the point on this one because, oh boy, did good Bo Nick show up. Ladies and gentlemen, Good. I, I we might, and I, would, I cannot wait to talk to Tyler about this um, maybe next week, or we'll probably just text through it throughout the weekend, depending on how, or I think Oregon's off, but whatever. If they're not off and they're playing, I, I can't wait to text Tyler about this. I think I have to retire the good Bo Nix, bad Bo Nix bit. I think it's just Bo Nix. I think he's just good. I think the situationally, what was happening at, at Auburn, he was coached by Gus Malzahn, who we all know isn't like a quarterback guru, right? He, he really tried, he really out schemes other teams when he's uh, going up against them. But I really just like what I saw out of Bo Nix this past week. Uh, it was really good, and it, it's been piling on, right? It, it took Oregon getting game day and Sabrina, Sabrina Ionesco being the guest picker on game day, Lee Corso holding a live duck on college game day because never changed Lee Corso. Love you, college football's grandfather. Um, it took all of these things, nationally televised game, big broadcast, blah, 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 blah all the hoopla, top 10 matchup for people to kind of realize, oh no, Bo Nix has always been good. He just hasn't been coached properly, you know? And and I think maybe that's what my theory was going at, the good Bo Nix, bad Bo Nix theory. And I just hadn't flushed it out in the moment because I saw good things out of him. It just wasn't going to work at Auburn, especially under that Gus Malzahn system because he can sling the rock. And he is very, he is pretty mobile. I'm not gonna say he's very mobile, but he's mobile. Um, and I think that kind of, you know, it, it's giving me a parallel. I can't believe I just, it's giving, yeah, whatever. But seriously, it's giving me a parallel um, between um, Mikey Anderson at UCF right now because Mikey Anderson is another kid that kind of sort of reminds me of Bo Nix. I like his arm a lot. He's mobile, but he's not crazy mobile. And I think that Gus's infatuation and Gus's, um, I don't want to say stubbornness, but his his um, intuition to stick with John Rice Plumley might be what cost um, – UCF the game against Cincinnati coming week, which we will get to in next week's five wide. Um, so kind of those parallels there. I'm now going on a UCF tangent. I did not mean to. I did spend the whole weekend with a bunch of UCF grads. So naturally, the conversation came up. And yes, we did stream that UCF game um, where they lost to ECU. So lots of conversations had about that this weekend. Alas, Oregon beat UCLA. I get the point. Tyler does not get any points there because he picked the Bruins, you know, because he's living in a big 10 town, uh, big 10 town now. So. Texas 34, Oklahoma State 41. Tyler picked Oklahoma State. He got the point. I picked Texas. And for the first two and a half, three quarters, two and a half quarters, I should say, I was looking good. Texas was up. They ended up blowing the lead. Oklahoma State comes back. Spencer Sanders leads them. The defense, you know, gets it together. It's it's This is the Texas thing, right? Like, they always... They're, they show improvement. They show parts where that you can feel like they're improving and they're getting to where they want to be and they need to be as a brand for college football as a whole. And then the rug just gets pulled out of them, right? They have an incredible game against Alabama. They lose by one. Their quarterback gets injured. The quarterback finally comes back and they lose on the road to Texas Tech. And now they're kind of getting back up in momentum. They have a chance to go in and play Oklahoma State. If they beat Oklahoma State, it's going to be an incredible tiebreaker that they have going into, um, you know, the back half, the last four or five weeks of their conference schedule. And they lose. They blow a lead and lose to Oklahoma State. It's just always something with Texas. I think that Sark can get them over that hump. 
it's reminding me a lot of the Clemsoning of the early 2010s, where you can see the potential and they show how good they can be in spurts. They just can't finish it. You know, that's kind of how I feel with Texas, even though, you know, they are improving. Right? If you're a bad team, the way to improve is you go from losing big to losing small to winning small to winning big. Right. I think Texas is in that between losing small and winning small. Um, section and depending on the week is when they fluctuate back and forth. I think with more time and more infrastructure and the things that Sark is doing at Texas, which I I do like a lot from um, just an outsider's perspective, I think they're going to be able to get over that hump. And I don't want to say they'll be in a better shape than Oklahoma going into the SEC play in two seasons, but I mean the the trajectories right now I think are tipping in Texas's favor. And I know that my brother is going to hate that I said that. So love you, Broski. Um, Tyler gets the point there, Oklahoma State. Um, he picked them. I picked Texas. Mississippi State, six. Alabama, 30. We both get the points on this one. Classic Nick Saban put after a bad loss game. Just book it, tattoo it on my forehead. No ragrats, not a single letter. We all knew this was happening. We're not spending time on this. Tyler knows. I know. Everyone knew. You don't mess with Alabama after when Nick Saban is mad after losing it. This is a game that proved to me that when we were having the conversations last week of this is the closest we felt to when it's kind of uh, coming to an end, that that's all hyperbole. I think Saban is really locking in. Um, we'll see how he does in bigger games. You know, um, I think he's I think they're probably still going to be the team that makes it to Atlanta. So. Interesting to see if we get a rematch with Tennessee or if we get a meeting with Georgia, which would both be great tests for Alabama. So we both get the points on that one. Kansas State 28, TCU 38. I get the points on this one because I believed in Sam Duggan. Um, this was an interesting game. This was a fun game. 10-point difference. I'm not going to spend much time on this. I really like TCU. It's established. They are the top team in that conference in the Big 12. And Kansas State looking good. Um, just wasn't enough to beat TCU this week. So I get the point on that one because Tyler picked Kansas State and I picked TCU. For our two-point conversions, I picked South Carolina to beat Texas A&M and they did 30 to 24. I get both of those points. I believed, man, it is a mess in College Station right now. Um, there were reports that a bunch of players have been suspended indefinitely for um, participating in the inhalation of a certain uh plant that if burned provides a certain chemical change to your brain that allows you to feel a certain way similar to airplanes up in the sky wink wink nudge nudge i don't think i have to censor that that's good yeah i did a good job cool i'm nodding at myself in the camera that i'm staring at yes good good job sergio awesome so they're gonna deal with some suspensions Seems like a lot of players kind of want out. Jimbo is, uh, we're looking at the emperor with no clothes on, in my opinion. Um, they are not going to get rid of Jimbo. The amount of money that they would need to get rid of Jimbo would be enough to fund a military in a small country in another part of the globe. It is a lot of money. <laughs> so I don't think they're going to get rid of him, but I am very intrigued to see how the rest of this season goes, especially after they landed the number one overall recruiting class of all time last season since they started um you know the early 2000s when they started recording these recruiting classes so man is it not a good look in in college station gator fans whenever you're like oh my god i can't believe we're in this rebuild and doing that and napier is preaching patience and he told it's going to take a while but i'm impatient look at college station and thank your lucky stars that we are not the texas a&m aggies because that is a program that is in shambles at the moment and i'm very curious to see how that goes um, and what ends up upon it. I believe that we could beat them next week, but that's a conversation for next week when I'm talking with Tyler in person again. And speaking of Tyler, his two-point conversion was Wisconsin over Purdue, which did not happen. Purdue, I'm sorry, Purdue over Wisconsin, which did not happen. Purdue 24, Wisconsin 35. Thank you so much. I appreciate the fact that the Badgers went out and did me the solid because now our five wide total, Tyler 29, a number I love very much, Sergio, 28, one point back coming into the last four or five weeks of the regular season. It is going to be a close, close, close race. And I am very, very, very excited to see what happens there. Tyler, I am on your heels, my friend, on your heels. 
let's take a look at the non-five wide games from last week. Um, some notable ones, um, Virginia 16, Georgia Tech 9 on a Thursday night. Just real, real sickos game. Just like real, real sickos game. Um, Ohio State 54, Iowa 10. I promise you the Iowa defense looked good. I promise you. I promise you they did. I know it doesn't seem that way. This team is just really, really, this offense is just really, really, really bad. Um, LSU 45, Ole Miss 20. Hello. Um, LSU's good? Question mark. Um, yeah, very interesting. Very interesting game that happened there. So um, it, we'll keep keep tabs on LSU because I think they play Bama next week or the week after. I'm not saying they beat them, but I'm saying that game might be a little bit of fun to watch. Um, Cincinnati 29, SMU 27. Cincinnati was up. They held off SMU. So good for them, but we'll have to see how that happens. We'll talk about them a little bit later. Um, Duke beats Miami 45-21, and it wasn't even close. Um, Tyler Van Dyke did get hurt in this game in the first half with like a lower leg injury, did not return. Hope he's okay. But man, it's just not, (laughs) I live down here in South Florida and there was a lot of Miami talk at the beginning of the season and there is not much Miami talk now. And I think, you know, why and why I know why, (laughs) um, what else? What else is fun here? Oh, BYU 14, Liberty 41. Um, this is notable because Liberty, announced they were at home and they announced to their fans over the intercom do not storm the field this is you are not allowed to storm the field and there was a video going around they put the like security and police like by the sideline there's a video going around of this one kid yelling you can't stop all of us and he was right they couldn't stop them all they rushed the field anyway so i thought that was really funny i thought that was something that was worth noting um despite uh, my personal opinions on Liberty. But the second edition of the non-denomination bowl was uh, an interesting one, to say the least. Um, what else we got here? What else we got here? It, I'm looking like that's pretty much it. Washington did sneak out a, a close victory over California, 28-27. I didn't watch much of that game, but alas, I, that is uh, notable to see Cal being in games. Michael Penix Jr. threw for 374 yards. Good Lord, that man can sling the rock. It's so good to see him healthy as well. Um, Stanford beat Arizona State 15 to 14. That's just funny to me. Very close. Uh, Vandy 14, Missouri 17. Missouri only a three point win over Vandy at home. That Vanderbilt game is going to be looking tough. Florida fans, uh, prepare yourself mentally now because you're gonna. There's going to be people that are going to say, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe Billy Napier's in a close game against Vandy. Fire him without noticing just how good Vanderbilt is this season relative to its competition." They were beating Ole Miss going into halftime at home earlier this year. They're a pretty decent football team. It's going to be exciting to see what they do. Um, And then the aforementioned ECU 34, UCF 13. Not great, Bob. Uh, John Rice pulled me through three interceptions in that game. Um, Those three turnovers were the difference. Um, Literally, it was the 17 points off turnovers to start the game, and ECU just never looked back. So... Alrighty, that is it for the non-five wide recap. Let's let's talk the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Let's talk Florida taking on the number one team in the country, Georgia. 330. Da, 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 CBS game of the week. Guys, it's not happening. <laughs> okay. It's uh it's not happening. I saw a tweet earlier last week that said the Florida Gators will beat the Georgia Bulldogs because in this rivalry game, anything can happen. And I quoted it and I said, Yeah, we're not doing this this season. We're just not. Listen. It's it's a it's an interesting game always. I'm not saying it's going to be this from the beginning blowout. I think Florida will make it interesting. We'll have fun with it. Uh, But let me just read you what I wrote about this game in my Gators Wire roundtable post. That's going to go up. I believe it should be up by the time you're listening to this, where everyone on staff kind of gives a little their opinion on what they think is going to happen for the game. So let me just read you what I wrote for that. In the past, we have seen some great moments from both teams in this historic rivalry. In 2014, a walk-on wide receiver who worked as a bagger at the Publix on 34th scored on a fake field goal in the first quarter. Mike McNeely's unexpected touchdown sparked the Gators to a 38-20 victory over the number 9 ranked Bulldogs. Anything can happen in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. And as much as I would like to believe that kind of 2014 magic could happen again, I just don't think it's possible this season. In 2014, Will Muschamp was coaching for his job. You can say a lot about the former coach's tenure, but one thing that you can't say is that he was a bad recruiter. A 2014 game was a combination of a talented team playing for their coach and Georgia having a history of coming up short where it counted. 
That's just not the case in 2022. Billy Napier is dealing with a thin roster, and the Gators don't have the talent to compete with the defending national champions. That should be different in the coming years, with early returns on Napier's recruiting looking pretty positive. Now that Georgia's gotten over the hump of winning a championship, vomit. Uh, I didn't really write vomit, but just personally, vomit. Uh, back, okay, back to the piece. This one should be fairly sided, uh, one-sided. Here's hoping for another Mike McNeely moment. My prediction is Georgia 38, Florida 17. Um, I don't think that Florida's going to get blown out the whole game, but I do think the second half will be the difference, and Georgia will pull up um, and just show how much better of a football team they are. You know, And since Kirby took over, Georgia's pretty dominated this series. I know we hate to say that and we hate to think of that, but it's pretty true. With the exception of the 2020 game where we had, you know, generational offense going on um it looked like the Spurrier team of the 90s to be honest with uh, Kyle Trask and the and the the trash the Trask to Pitts connection and all the other weapons that we had apart from that game they've really just dominated in the Kirby era it's I think that this rivalry is going to turn back around um in a, in a couple years when Napier's players are really out there and we can really match talent level with Georgia because they are operating like a death star right now as I've said previously, but not this year, guys. Um, enjoy the game if you're going, if you'll be in Jacksonville, which it should stay in Jacksonville, by the way. You can keep an eye out for, it should be up today that you're listening to this. My column this week on GagesWire.com is about why Jacksonville is the perfect place for Florida, Georgia, and why it should never leave um, Jacksonville. You're welcome, Tyler. I'm being nice, even though I'm only one point behind you and two point. But yeah, I, I really just see Georgia dominating this game in the second half. What I'm looking for is, again, that proof of concept all season long, right? I want to see individual players. I want to see players being put in the position to succeed. And if they succeed, then that's a good sign going forward. But if they don't succeed, they should be in the right spots, which tells me that it's not coaching. It's not scheme. It's that those players are not good enough. And that is something that we knew was going to happen. We're a thin team. We're not a deep team. And so we, we need some break. We need a lot of breaks to happen to win this game. And I would love to be wrong about this. But I just think Georgia's too good of a football team and they'll win the game. So I uh, can't believe I just did that. Anyway, all right, I'm going to go in here and do five wide. Um, Tyler, I, I'm supposed to pick first. Um, but since we're not here, I'm just going to do my picks. And then, Tyler, you're going to make your pick. So um, I will give you, Tyler, the two point to go first for the next two weeks because since I'm going first here on this one. So you'll, you, you'll get your – it'll be even going forward, Okay. Um, the number two ranked Ohio State Buckeyes take on number 13 Penn State. It's a noon kickoff on Fox. It's this is fairly straightforward. Uh, Sean Clifford's still the quarterback for Penn State. Yeah. And CJ Stroud is still throwing to Marvin Harrison Jr. and Jackson Smith and Jigba. Yeah. Cool. 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 Awesome. Yeah. Buckeyes. Not even thinking about it. Not going to take too much time. Oklahoma State is taking on Kansas State at 330 on Fox. This is an interesting game because we've seen Kansas State play really well. We've seen them get the most out of Adrian Martinez. We've seen them really hand it to a lot of teams and play competitive against a lot of teams. We didn't expect them to play competitive um, against. But again, I like that late season, I'm sorry, late game comeback mentality that the Cowboys had against Texas last week that cost me the point in five wide. So I'm going to learn from my lesson. I'm going to take Oklahoma State. I cannot wait for Oklahoma State TCU rematch in the Big 12 title game. I really believe that's what's going to happen because the first version was really good. I'm hoping we get to see another one. And for that to happen, I need Oklahoma State to win this week. So that's why I'm taking them. Number 20, Cincinnati taking on UCF 330 kickoff on ESPN. This game is going to decide the American, right? The top two teams in the conference will be playing for the championship, uh, the, the American championship later in the season. Cincinnati only has one loss, but that loss is to Arkansas in the first game of the season on the road, a game in which they played them very well and very close. But then they struggled last week against SMU. They're undefeated in, in conference play, and so they are the one seed as right now. And UCF should be the one seed, except that they lost last week to ECU, a game they should have taken care of business on. Um, but I, I, I saw a lot of red zone issues by Cincinnati, right? And that's kind of been a pattern this season. This is not the Cincinnati team of last year, but that doesn't mean that they're a bad football team. This is going to be a close and competitive game. Uh, I'm going to take UCF at home because I'm probably going to watch this game at the same time that I watch the Gator game, two televisions with my friends. So I would much rather cheer for UCF and Florida um, than cheer for Florida and Cincinnati. So I'm going to do that. And 
I think if John Rice Plumley can learn from those mistakes that he made last week, those bad decisions, bad throws, I think that they can, you know, they can get the win. It's in Orlando. It's at the bounce house. It's going to be a bumping atmosphere. Um, yeah, let's let's hope um, let's hope I'm right on this one. So I'll take UCF. Kentucky taking on Tennessee, seven o'clock Eastern on ESPN. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you the trap game. Yes, the trap game. Kentucky coming off a bye, making noise. I know that they're not the best team, but I think this defense can muck it up a little bit. I can't. I'm smiling ear to ear. I, can't, I I think they can muck it up a little bit. I think that they can put some trouble um, at to Tennessee. We saw Tennessee make some unforced mistakes in their last big game against Alabama. I think that Kentucky can take advantage of those just like Alabama did. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll take Kentucky just for the upset factor, right? This is what I think. I'm hoping. We'll see how it goes. Um, and the last one, number 15, Ole Miss taking on unranked Texas A&M, 730 kickoff on the SEC network. I mean, I got to take Ole Miss, right? Like, I know that they lost to LSU last week, but out of principle, like this Texas A&M team is a bad football team, guys. I really don't think that they're that good. Um, I like what Jackson Dart is doing on offense at Ole Miss. Um, I know the defense is struggling a little bit, but they're not horrible. Excuse me, but alas, I, I really do think that this is a bad situation for AM and Ole Miss is the better team. And Lane Kiffin, he's going up against his former defensive coordinator, um, DJ Durkin. So if you don't think there's going to be like even like a little bit of a revenge factor going on here, I mean, come on, guys. Like, I, I think that's what's going to happen. And, and I think he'll he'll go out there and he'll make a statement um, to try to go ahead and and, and win this football game and, and put some points up on the board uh, against put some points up on the board against uh, Texas A&M. We're moving to t- uh, two point again. Like I said earlier, Tyler was supposed to do two point first this week, but he will not. Um, and so I'll give him the next two weeks. And for that reason, I'm going to take Pittsburgh on the road to beat North Carolina. Eight o'clock kickoff on the ACC network. North Carolina is ranked number 21. North Carolina is probably the I don't want to say they're the worst, but definitely the most surprising six and one team in college football. They're one loss coming at home against Notre Dame. I I like Pitt in this situation. I think Pitt is a team that, you know, they're four and three. They're one and two in the conference. Their only losses were to Tennessee, which really good loss. Right. And then their other two were to Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech, really bad loss. And then last week, they lost on the road against Louisville 24 to 10. Um, I think they bounced back in the second of, of a road game. Um, Keaton Slovis, is, I, I still like him a lot. Um, the offense is not as fun. Man, I'm like talking myself out of it as I do this. Do I want to take this game? Um, yeah, let's do it. Let's, I, I think that they bounce back. I'll take Pittsburgh over North Carolina Pittsburgh over North Carolina that is it for my half of this podcast next week we'll be back recapping week nine and previewing week 10 we'll talk about the Georgia game we'll talk about the five wide games that happened we will see if anything else breaks in the world of college football and we will talk about the Florida Gators like we do every single week here at sideline judgment so um, I'm gonna let Tyler do the sign off this week Um, I will not be saying it So uh, I'm going to go ahead and hand the ball off to Tyler. Well, thank you, Sergio. It is so lovely to hear your voice uh, in a bigger delay for me because I'm recording this after you've already done your part. But you guys already know that because I'm the second half. So unfortunately, yes, we will not be uh, able to record together this week. Hopefully we'll be able to next week. We'll see what happens with work. And uh, I also want to put out a statement just for the everyone um, that I do not appreciate being slandered with vicious lies um, because, yes, I may only be one point ahead of Sergio. But uh, yeah, l- l- let's rephrase it. Let's listen to that back. One point ahead. One point ahead. Ahead. Yeah, I'm still in the lead, baby. I ain't scared of nobody. All right, moving on. 
Um, <laughs> the Gators have a bye week this last week, so we're doing our little midseason check. And I said, I'm, you know, for this part, I'm probably not going to explain so much of this because Sergio did it better than I could have. But we'll talk about my side of our discussion. Uh, so biggest positive from the first half of the season for the Gators. Sergio mentioned the way they play at the end of the games, and I do agree with that. I think for me, biggest positive, it's funny. It's not even really on the field. It is the recruiting. The recruiting is taking such a positive spin, in my opinion, as compared to before, that like it is making all of the things that we've struggled with this season fine because it looks like there is a future. There is hope. Um, so I'm, I, I would have to say the recruiting is probably my biggest positive this season. And because it just means that there's a brighter future and all that kind of stuff. Biggest negative? Uh, Sergio said defense, and I completely agree. So I'm not going to take that from him. I think probably the biggest negative, I think, is the uh, inconsistency, I would say, in a lot of ways of some of the players. Specifically, probably the biggest negative, to be honest, if we don't look at defense, it is Anthony Richardson. Not because he's necessarily bad. Because um, I don't think he's necessarily bad. Is that like he came in with the world on his shoulders, and he, at times he's played worse than he did last year. Um, all the expectations in the world. And there are times in some games that he has not been able to be our, the thing that we could rely on. Um, it seems like he's getting there. I think it is. But coming into the season, Florida, all we really knew about Florida is just like, but we've got Anthony Richardson now. He's the starting quarterback. We thought we knew that that was a commodity. It turns out there's not so much of a known commodity and that's Okay. Um, and I think it will become a positive going through this season and into next season. I think Anthony Richardson is going to take a big step. I have the, the world is his oyster, but I do think that that would have to be a negative from the first half of the season. Um, great for the first half of the season. I kind of agree with Sergio. I think it's a C to C plus. Um, you know, it is the product on the field is not necessarily as um flashy as we're used to seeing and but that's okay and i think again as talked about my biggest positive with the way i think it's trending it it's fine because i think we're getting there but at the same time i'm not going to give them a b or an a because we have not played very well this season we just got just lost pretty bad to lsu which now doesn't look as bad as i thought previously but this team can compete they are in games they're in that lose small win small area of games but they're losing some of those games so you have to give them a c plus passing grade but not great not exactly expectations to the back half um i'll just skip over the next game because we all know what's going to happen and then for the future every game is winnable you need to be uh, expectation i right now i just want to get to bowl eligibility i want those extra practices um i don't think it means the world if we don't get it However, that would mean that we only win one of the next um, several games, and that is that is concerning. However, South Carolina, losable game, very winnable game. Texas a very winnable game. Florida State, very winnable game. Vanderbilt, come on, very winnable game. All of them are winnable. You need to be – a loss here or there is fine in my opinion, but I you better be losing small or winning big. I want to see some growth from this team. I want to see a blowout. I don't know if that's in this team, but I'd like to see that would be progress to me. So like blow out a conference team. That would be huge. So my expectations though, um, getting to bowl eligibility, I think seven and five is the way that this team is going to go. And I'm okay with that because that's what we said. We'd be okay with at the start of the season. And it feel it would be really hypocritical to say now that it isn't, but that was pretty short on my end. But yeah, I think that, um, it's, it's that weird thing where this season is kind of going the way that I think Florida fans expected. But when you expect it, preseason is different than living in it. But I think Billy Napier's got this thing on the right track, especially as Sergio mentioned and I mentioned, the recruiting is is looking on the up and up. So I'm pretty happy with that. So the future looks bright still. Silly season updates. Will Healy out of Charlotte. Um, I'm a little shocked by this. I'm going to be completely honest. I didn't keep as much of an eye on Charlotte as I probably act like I do. But I did think Will Hilly was doing a good job at Charlotte overall. Bad season. They're moving to the American next season. They probably want to get a new coach. I understand this firing. It just kind of took me by surprise. Um, but hopefully, I think Will Healy still has a future ahead of him. He'll, he'll find his way as an assistant coach somewhere and get another job in the future. Moving on. Five wide from last week. Number 14, Syracuse, 21. Number five, Clemson, 27. Both Sergio and I get the points. Um, yeah. 
Kate Clement goes in. I will say on the flip side of Dabo saying kind of ridiculous Dabo stuff that we all knew he was going to say. So I don't know why anyone's surprised anymore um, about DJ Uyunglele being benched. I will give major props to DJ Uyunglele for how he handles questions about being benched. Because DJ basically says something along the lines, I'm paraphrasing here, of Dabo owes every player on the 100 players on our roster the best chance to win. He doesn't just owe that to me. So if I'm not playing well enough to get the rest of those people that win, he's got to make the difficult decision and take me out. And DJ was supportive of Kate as he went in. That's what we like to see is that like as much as DJ has played better this year, although he still has the problems that he has had, I have to give a standing ovation to the type of guy he seems to be. And this team is holding together because, you know, Clemson is still undefeated and... They, I don't think they're crazy good, but they are still undefeated. Um, and so we both get the points on that. Moving on. Number nine, UCLA, 30. Number 10, Oregon, 45. Sergio gets the point. I want to push back on this. Uh, good bo- the abolition of the good Bo Nix, bad Bo Nix uh, movement, because uh, let's not overreact here, okay? It, I do think that we – I kind of fully agree with the assessment that Gus Malzahn and what the dysfunction Auburn were holding bonus's development back. Yes, 100% agree. You're going to tell me that this says a man throws for a lot of yards against a Chip Kelly defense that I'm supposed to think he's actually good now? No. Slow down. Let's see a multiple game sample size. This has been his best season throwing the football, but I want to see it strung together a little bit longer before I retire bad bonix because – I mean, good Bonex, bad Bonex is all about the duality of man, the chaos. And I'm not going to say that Bonex is not chaotic anymore. So I'll push back on that. But Oregon is better than UCLA. And despite that one loss at the beginning of the season to Georgia, Oregon looks really good. And I bet Mario Cristobal is pretty upset <laughs> about where he ended up at right now. Uh, but that is a conversation for another day. Uh, good young Dan Lanning for what he's doing over there. Number 20, Texas, 34. Number 11, Oklahoma State, 41. Um, I get the point on this because Oklahoma State wins. Texas, a lot of potential. Quinn Ewers had an abysmal completion percentage today uh, on that on that in that game. Started off really great, absolutely sputtered into nothingness late. Um, whereas Spencer Sanders kind of was himself. Oklahoma State wears themselves. Texas has got a lot of potential. And again, I think with the infrastructure they have there, Sark has a lot going on for him. And like Sergio said. Texas, I do think, has currently a better trajectory for when they enter the SEC than Oklahoma does. That being said, it has not accumulated in results just yet. They are still at the lose small stage. And this is a good, solid Oklahoma State team. Props to them for getting the dub. I'm coming back from down pretty significantly to do so. Number 24, Mississippi State, 6. Number 6, Alabama, 30. Sergio and I both get points. Again, it's not worth discussing. Um, If you thought Mississippi State had a chance, I I applaud you for living in a fantasy world. Um, And it seems nicer over there. But it also is wrong. Uh, Moving on. Number 17, Kansas State, 28. Number 8, TCU, 38. Uh, Sergio gets points on this because I picked Kansas State. And I do still feel good about it because Anthony, uh, Adrian Martinez went down with an injury in this game of which at the time they could not report why. Um, Cause apparently they didn't have a sideline reporter for this game, which is just a weird choice. Uh, but no, Kansas state was looking pretty good. And then their offense kind of sputtered behind and TCU just said, Oh, okay, let's take control. And they did. So props to TCU. I hope that they keep climbing. I really do. Two point. South Carolina 30, Texas A&M 24. Uh, Sergio gets two points there. Um, Great win for Shane Beamer in South Carolina. I also, again, have to reiterate that Jimbo Fisher, it's just a mess over there. And they should not have lost this game. Um, And South Carolina, I don't even really really think South Carolina played that well. Um, But Texas A&M is a mess, in my opinion. And they can't do anything right. They can't string together easy stuff. Um, The offense has got to be complicated. And on top of that, they've got off the field stuff to deal with. Um, I will say, I will say everyone in Texas and really in the United States of America, you should not want Jimbo Fisher to be fired because one, I mean, as a college football fan, this is funny to me, but two, Jimbo Fisher getting fired and having that buyout taken out will have a tangible effect on your gas prices. So let's just keep Jimbo Fisher around until some of that buyout gets taken down. My two point was Purdue 
I wanted Purdue to beat Wisconsin. Well, I thought that they would, and that didn't happen, so I get no points. And I have nothing to say about this because I don't want to talk about it. Um, score to date, Tyler 29, Sergio 28. And, yes, the, the, you know, the lead has diminished. I will not lie. But, hey, Sergio, guess what? I'm still ahead of you. Moving on. Um, Sergio re- recapped a lot of the non-five wide games. Um, I don't really have much else to add to it. A lot of great games this week. Um, Tennessee, I think, set a record for most uh, amount of points that they've scored in like a certain game stretch in uh, school history, which is pretty cool. Um, that's pretty dope. Beyond that, nothing really of note for me to bring up uh, that Sergio didn't already bring up already. So moving on to uh, uh, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. That Sergio, I thank you for being the soldier that you are and saying that the game should remain in Jacksonville because it should. Um, I understand people who don't have the connection to it. They want the recruiting weekends. Um, you know, the coaches want it. I respectfully say that they can suck it and cause it should remain in Jacksonville because of the history. And also I'm biased and I'm from Jacksonville and it's like the coolest thing in the world. And I really love it. And, uh, I hope it stays there forever. Nothing like it on the North in North Florida, um, on the banks of the St. John's river. And maybe it was like, maybe I'll get to actually see some good football there in, uh, that stadium. Cause it doesn't, it seems to be eluding me lately. Um, Anyway, Florida takes on Georgia. Yeah, it ain't happening, guys. Um, Georgia, I don't think it's as good this year, and I think offensively they have a couple they're, – they're kind of in a rut sometimes. I don't think it's going to matter. Florida's defense is bad. Florida's offense is best when it's allowed to run. Georgia's really good against the run. I think Florida will get points. Florida will get points. They'll move the ball. I think this game will be closer on the field than I think people – across the country want to give the credit for. I think Florida will put up a good fight, but I don't think Florida is really going to have a chance. It's like, it's like how almost to the end of the first half in last year's Florida, Georgia game, Florida was like within six points. And then it just kind of spiraled out of control. It's, I think that first half, it's going to be similar to that. where like, Florida's defense is going to play with a little extra pep in the step. Georgia's offense is not maybe not going to get off to the, the right role. Florida's offense, if they just stick to the ground game, will probably get some yards, maybe get some points. But I think overall, Georgia is going to win this out because Georgia's better than us. And again, this doesn't bother me as much this year because Florida has a bright future, in my opinion. But hey, I knew this. This was the one guaranteed loss in the schedule for me. It doesn't. Nothing has changed that. I'm not going to be upset about it. I mean, obviously, I'm going to be upset about it as a Florida fan. But in the long term, I'm not going to be upset about it because this is what we know. This is what the team is. Um, and I'm, I say all this to say that if Florida does pull it out of the, the butt, which won't happen, it will be the happiest thing I, I could ever experience because I really want to have expected it. But yes, uh, moving on from that because I'm so excited to watch it on TV here in Los Angeles. <laughs> ah! Sometimes I wish I could be back in Florida. Um, moving on to five wide. Number two, Ohio State takes on Penn State. Number 13, Penn State at noon on Fox Eastern. Um, yeah, I'm not – there's not much to say about this. Um, I'm also going with Ohio State because Penn State's been fine. Um, but they're the same team they were. They've always been with Sean Clifford. Ohio State is the same team that they've usually been. And if those two things are the same, Ohio State is always better. So I'm going to take Ohio State. Number nine, Oklahoma State versus 20, number 22, Kansas State, 330 on Fox. Now, I'm tempted to go with Kansas State two weeks in a row. I'm tempted. I'm not going to do it, <laughs> but I'm tempted. But I am going to go with Oklahoma State because I do think with injuries and whatnot, I think that Oklahoma State's probably it's going to get this one. And, you know, they, they've had some – they've already had their kind of upset – not upset, but they lost to TCU, and that just happened. So I don't think they'll catch themselves slipping, especially because the win against Texas was not close. It was not a blowout. It was close. So anyway, moving on. Number 20, Cincinnati versus UCF, um, 3.30 Eastern on ESPN. This, I think, is going to be a really good game because um, – these are two darlings of the group of five that have been kind of left at the wayside this season because they're both they're both fine, but they haven't been great. Sergio went with UCF. I'm gonna go with Cincinnati. 
And I know what you're all going to say is because I'm I'm the UCF hater on the podcast because, you know, I have to provide a balance to what Sergio brings, which is totally fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But I, you know, all this stuff. And um, one, you may have a point. But two, more importantly, I do think that in a battle of where I where I'm not so sure about these teams, I don't know Cincinnati's quarterback. Obviously not Desmond Ritter. It's I don't not the caliber of Desmond Ritter. UCF John Rice probably has his issues. He's very mobile, very athletic, but you know they've kind of been up and down this season. What it really comes down to is like what well, the coaches and I think Luke Fickle is better than Gus Malzahn. So I'm going to go with Cincinnati. All right, moving on. Number 19 Kentucky against number three Tennessee, seven Eastern on ESPN. Okay. Sergio, I hear what you're saying with the Kentucky, and there's nothing I would like more to be true in the world. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's happening. I think Tennessee is going to, um, I think Tennessee's going to run away with it because I don't think Kentucky can stop that offense, or at the very least, I don't think Kentucky can get into a shootout. Um, yeah, I don't think they have it in them. And I'd love to be wrong. I'd love for Tennessee to take an L. You guys know I would. But I think Tennessee I, I, Tennessee definitely has a loss in them. I just don't think it's Kentucky. As good as Kentucky is, I just don't think they match up well. So I think Tennessee is going to come away with this. Um, and last but not least, Ole Miss, Texas A&M, number 15 Ole Miss, 730 Eastern on uh, SEC Network. I don't believe in Texas A&M either, so we're going to continue to bet against them, and I'm going to go with Ole Miss, who you know lost to LSU last week in a very surprising fashion. I still think they're better, so I'm going to go with that. Now, moving on to my two-point. Okay. A lot of options to choose from here, but I think I'm going to go back to, I'm not, not to, the, to the historic well for me, a well that... I haven't gone to this season much because they, frankly, have not been very good. But you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. I'm going to take one for the boys of the past, for Brock Purdy and the boys of past that I've loved. Iowa State is hosting the Oklahoma Sooners. And I think they're going to take it from them. I think Iowa State is going to beat Oklahoma. And you know, that's very... That's a, <laughs> I'm nervous as I'm right, typing this down because I'm not in a position to be gambling around with points. But, you know, screw it. I'm, I'm in the lead. What, what's the point of having the lead if you can't, you know, go for it on fourth down? But I think Iowa State, I think Matt Campbell's still a great coach. I think Iowa State's going to give it to him. So I, I'm going to take Iowa State over Oklahoma for my two-point. We're going to see how it works out for me. But you know what? I'm excited. Um, excited for this week of games. Uh, obviously, Florida, Georgia, the big one. Also, happy Halloween to everyone. It's been the Halloween weekend. Always, This is always a fun and special time of year uh, for us college football fans. But it also is the signal that it's it's closer to the end than it is the beginning, and we should all appreciate that. But uh, we'll be back with you guys next week, hopefully in the same, you know, we're on the same thing. I'm not quite sure. Um, I have not. Sergio is probably finding out about this through this recording. I've got some work stuff that I got to figure out, but I will be texting him about that. Um, but we will see you guys all. Well, we won't see you, but we will. You guys will hear us next week. Uh, and hope you guys have a great Halloween weekend. Uh, just remember, we're not biased, but go Gators. Go Gators.